Hello, I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. We're proud to present this series of 10 discussions with prominent British Columbians in what we call the BIB Business Leadership Series, where they're going to share their views on the impact of the pandemic and how our economy can recover. Our series is sponsored by PwC and by FASCAN. Their messages appear at the start and finish of our conversations, and we're brought to you by UBC Souter Executive Education. All of its programs are running online now until the end of the year, offering an opportunity to engage with faculty and peers in virtual classrooms. Enjoy the conversations. At PwC Canada, our purpose is to build trust in society and solve important problems. And this pandemic is an important problem. It affects us all, both here in BC and globally. At PwC, we're proud to sponsor this series on Business in Vancouver to talk about what business leaders are doing and thinking. We've heard last week from Chip, Jimmy, Tamara, Lori, and Peter. Returning to the workplace isn't just about physical places, it's about finding new opportunities. So let's keep the conversation going and hear from our next guests. Hey, welcome to BIV's Business Leadership Series. I'm Tyler Orton, and our guest today is the president and CEO of Tech Resources. It is the largest mining company headquartered here in British Columbia, and I'd like to welcome Don Lindsay to the program today. Don, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Tyler. Great to be here. So I think everybody was a little bit stunned with how this all unfolded with regards to how quickly the pandemic had an impact on the economy, on business at large. As you witnessed this rapid shutdown, what were your initial feelings about what we were seeing? It did happen very fast and, uh, and it was a very uncertain time because we didn't really understand what we were dealing with. There was a lot to learn. But one of the things that was so impressive was uh, how our people reacted and, and responded to the challenges and the issues because we had to develop new protocols to keep people safe and, and not just safe at the work site, but safe at home as well and, and traveling back and forth. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was new. Uh, people were uncertain. We didn't know how well it was working, but I'm so proud because uh, we've now done over, I think, 23,000 uh, tests on site audits, if you like, of, of the safety protocols with 98% pass rate. So people really are respecting uh, the, the physical distancing, the sanitation, all the different things that we need to do to keep people safe, because that had to be the priority and to keep people safe both at work and at home and the people really responded to that. Uh, are there challenges? Because of course, you know, BC has been given a lot of praise so far about its response, but of course you guys have to think about all these other jurisdictions. Has that been one of the challenges is just thinking outside that kind of uh, BC box, for example? Uh, yes, I would say would. We're very fortunate that at all of the, uh, the sites in both Canada and the United States, we haven't had any COVID positive tests. So, and that's a real tribute to the people and how hard they worked at respecting physical distancing and, and respecting the protocols. However, we have had some positive tests in both Chile and Peru. And uh, I can remember this when we were at the beginning of this in, in March, you know, we had a, a COVID SWAT team that was meeting every morning and, and the, the issues were coming at us hour by hour. 
And I remember at one time saying, you know, we're going to have to carve some people out to look like six or seven days ahead because six or seven days from now, we might have to shut down QB2, our, our very large uh, $5 billion project in Chile. Turns out we shut it down six or seven hours later. That's how fast things were moving. Uh, but again, people responded. They, they recognized the, the challenges and we dealt with them. Well, now, uh, COVID SWAT team, I haven't heard that term before, but I'm going to coin that. I'm, I'm going to have to use that in a future story, but uh, I, I like the sound of that. Um, one of the other things, I, I've been speaking to so many other companies and just asking them about what changes they might perceive as business goes on. Work from home might be one of those things as well. It works for a journalist, but it might not necessarily work for a large resources company. How do you think business practices might have to change, especially in your industry moving forward? I think you'll see a lot of changes. We we did convert uh, over 3,800 people to remote work uh, over a weekend. We didn't think we could do that before, but we did just as so many other companies across the country did. And we know now that we're not going back to how we were before. Like we we have a task force that looking at developing the new hybrid work model where people will work uh, some part of the week from home and some part in the office. And there will be a lot less travel. Uh, we're, we're fairly certain of that. And one of the things that, that this, this crisis has done is accelerate the, uh, the transformation of the company, not just in terms of uh, remote office work, but the digitalization of, of our whole company and the whole supply chain end to end. We were already going through a, a program that we call Race 21, which is part of that transformation uh, with innovative technology applied throughout the company. And it was already successful, but we can see that's going to accelerate now and uh, it doesn't just make us more productive and lower costs and so on, but it, it improves safety, it improves uh, our sustainability practices. Uh, there's so much that we can learn from that. And all of that is going to happen faster now. Uh, it's one of the silver linings of the COVID crisis. Think about British Columbia, it weathered the storm of say the last financial crisis quite well. We have a diversified economy. How do you think BC is poised to adapt and maybe potentially bounce back after we get past the worst of the pandemic? Well, I think we should do pretty well. I mean, different parts of the economy are affected differently. Obviously, uh, on the infrastructure side, where the things were de deemed essential services, those have come back. But what they, uh, the challenge they face is for the actual market and customer volumes for their products, because you know. I look at this in three phases. The first phase was operationally getting our arms around it, learning how to deal with the virus and operate the virus. And we're through that. We figured it out. We know how to do it. The second phase is, is dealing with the huge global economic dislocation that has occurred in terms of demand for our products. You know, we, we make metals, that, you know, cars and houses and infrastructure. And needless to say, for a period of time there with global lockdown, the, the world just stopped buying cars and stopped building houses and, and, and those projects. So we have to go through that phase and match our production to the demand that was there. And that's going to be a couple of quarters anyway. It might be, might be longer and affects both volumes and price. But the good news is if you look past that, look to the other side of the valley, if you like, the other side of the valley looks pretty lush and green to me because governments around the world have announced, I think it's totaling $20 trillion in, in economic stimulus, both monetary policy and fiscal policy. You know, there's a direct you know, wage replacements to give people you know, a safety net that they need. We have to be empathetic to all the people who lost their jobs. We need to deal with that. It's a real important societal need. But in addition to that, the monetary policy, that takes you know, six to nine months to get traction. So you could see by Q1 of next year, 
the, the economy really starting to respond and, and seeing real growth uh, for a lot of the sectors in BC that were affected. And, and then I don't know about you, but I, I've watched what's been happening just this last week or so as we've moved into the next phase and, and opening up the economy. There's pent up demand. People want to get out there. People do want to go to a restaurant or start shopping. So and, and they are still reasonably respectful and we have to keep disciplined on that. But I, I think um, that there's a case for optimism that, uh, you know, the world always fixes itself. It always has. It always will. Well, I wonder if that maybe leads me to my next question as well, but do you foresee business opportunities that could arise in the time ahead, you know, whether it's rethinking, you know, certain overhead costs or just the way that we work, what business opportunities might exist down the road? Well, I do think that we're going to need a lot less office space. That's not great for those who are in commercial real estate and office towers and so on, but there will be other businesses that grow and take up that space. But uh, we, we, we as a company certainly will be more efficient in terms of that kind of uh, uh, infrastructure kind of use and resources. And, and you know, uh, again, we will probably travel less. But in the end, uh, I think that uh, there, I think there will be an economic boom across all sorts of sectors, uh, uh, you know, sometimes three or four quarters out just related to all the stimulus and all the innovation that's taking place. New companies will form. There's, there's an economic renewal. Happens every time. Well, the other thing, you know, for me, I've been working at home. I've always been somebody who prefers to be able to bounce ideas off my colleagues, just that interaction. So I guess I've learned about myself, you know, I, I can still be productive uh, during the last two months, two and a half months. I'm wondering, what have you learned about yourself just in the last two and a half months or so? Uh, I would say uh, one thing I've learned is I have a whole new respect for people who work from home. It is so intense. You know, when I'm at the office, I have meetings all day, meeting people, FaceTime, hearing what they've been working on. And I may go into a meeting room, then I may go back to my office, I may go get a sandwich and I move about here. Here, I'm at my desk and it's click, 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 one meeting, the next one, straight through 11 straight hours. And it's intense. Uh, I'm actually in many ways more productive, many ways like I'm, I'm actually having FaceTime like this on Zoom and Microsoft Teams and WebEx with more people than I could if I was physically in the office. But it's also not quite the same. Like, you know, if you're there with a person in front of you, you'll give them extra time because they work so hard to have that meeting, bring their proposal, whatever it might be. And uh, that part's missing uh, uh, online. And for younger people, you know, as they're working their way up in the early years of their career, they need that mentorship and that interaction with people. It's a big learning. And so as we go forward and design the new hybrid model for working, we're going to have to pay attention to that aspect of it, that human aspect of it. Um, the other thing I'd say about uh, well, learning we've had here, um, I'm, I'm so happy to say and impressed to say that, that people have um, uh, what we call shared their humanity much more, that we've seen people really reach out, caring for others much more than perhaps they were on day to day when we were there face to face. People were thinking about how's that person doing? I think I'll give them a call. There've been all these Zoom parties of, you know, it could be like class reunions. It could be a bunch of school moms getting together. Um, you know, beards by Zoom for my buddies on my ice fishing trip, you know, these kind of things. Like uh, a lot of that's been happening where you've actually reconnected with people more than you did before. So um, it's a new world and uh, we're, we're going to see a few silver linings, I think. 
Well, you mentioned that humanity part and correct me if I'm getting the exact number wrong, but I believe that tech came out and said that you were going to donate, I think like a million masks in order to help combat this. Why was it important for you and for tech to come out and just really show that you guys were trying to do the best you could to help everybody across Canada with what's going on right now? Well, you know, in those early weeks, one of the core issues was, uh, sanitary uh, uh, equipment and supplies and and protection, you know, uh, personal protect, protective equipment. And it was in short supply. Um, China, of course, was well ahead. You know, they've been through their crisis and in terms of being able to uh, manufacture those things. And of course, the tech has a you know deep connections to China. It's a, a major market for us. And uh, so we were able to source them when others might not have been able to source them so quickly. So as part of our program, uh, our COVID response fund, we, we allocated $20 million to a fund to help support different businesses that have been affected in our communities, to support the communities generally. And as part of that, we were able to source 1.4 million masks of which we donated a million masks to BC Healthcare. And I'm pleased to say that those are here now on the ground, been turned over to PHSA and uh, Clear Customs. Uh, and so again, anything that we can do to help uh, people be safe and especially those frontline uh, workers. And I'm sure you're out there at seven o'clock every night as I am and showing your appreciation because uh, boy, they've, they've, they've really been there for us. Well, let me leave you off with this. I know lots of meetings ahead, as you mentioned before, but what do you think you miss most about kind of our, our pre-pandemic life, you know, before we're experiencing this new normal? What, what do you miss most about that? Look, I do miss the interaction with people. Uh, I don't miss the travel, um, but, uh, you know, the the interaction with people face-to-face, -face, brainstorming, uh, sharing stories, uh, the, the human touch. I mean, that that's uh, that's something that we all need i mean that we're all sort of people it's just part of a uh, part of what we live for and uh and i've been missing that you know I, and we're going to get there um you know in the end uh when we can get back to normal what was normal before it's uncertain but we're going to need mass testing and we're going to need a vaccine uh, and we're going to need to develop some practices that help uh, reduce the risk of resurgences in either this virus or other viruses coming along. One of the things that uh, we've seen a lot of attention paid to is copper and the, the antimicrobial properties of copper. And you may have heard of this, but there's an article in, in the media almost every day about it. But it turns out that uh, viruses like the like COVID-19 on, on a, a stainless steel surface or wood surface or plastic surface, they can live for days and days. But on a copper surface, they die within two to four hours. And so uh, for the high touch surfaces like doorknobs and railings, and particularly in hospitals, uh, nursing station countertops, intensive care units, get, getting copper surfacing there can make uh, our whole society structurally, structurally healthier. And so I was intrigued to see that Toyota, when they announced they were reopening their plant in Ontario, they're coating all the railings with copper. Tech has donated copper surfaces to the Vancouver General Hospital's intensive care unit. And they've been studying it for the last two years and they have some really good numbers about reduced infections and making people safer. So I hope that uh, as we go forward, you'll see copper applied. It can even spray on copper surfaces to all sorts of surfaces that make society healthier in the end, safer, which then allows us to get back to human contact, back to normal as we think of it. Well, I'm walking away from this conversation, learning some new stuff. That That's excellent. I always appreciate that when that happens during an interview. And for now, Don, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on the show. 
Thank you, Tyler. Thank you for doing this. And as I say at the end of most of our meetings at Tech, stay healthy, keep the faith. This too shall pass and all will be well. Thanks very much. Thank you. That's Don Lindsay. He is president and CEO of Tech Resources. And that's it for the show today. We'll be back tomorrow. For now, go to BIV.com for more interviews. Thank you, everyone, for attending today's very interesting session. I'm Will Westring, Managing Partner of Faskin's BC Region, which includes our downtown Vancouver and Surrey locations. Faskin is a Canadian-based international law firm with offices across Canada in London, England, Johannesburg, South Africa, and Beijing, China. We are BC's largest law firm and have been serving this province's business community for over 130 years. At Faskin, we provide a full range of legal services, including assisting clients in relaunching their operations and implementing COVID-19 business recovery efforts. Please call us or visit our website for information on all the services we provide, including our COVID-19 Knowledge Center. We really are in this together. Thank you.